Well, let's now transition then to 2 Samuel. And so let us uh, turn there and um, uh, I'll go ahead and read the first verse. But uh, as I typically do, we're going to give the broader um, uh, view here tonight. It says, Second Samuel 1, 1. Now, it came to pass after the death of Saul, when David had returned from the slaughter of the Amalekites, and David had stayed two days in Ziklag, and it continues right on the third day this man comes. All right, so as we seek to establish here the, the bigger story, the, the, the historical context and so forth tonight, um, as I've said basically every time I've done this, this helps us to then better understand the particular things found in the book. And the better we understand the particular things, the better un- we understand the broader story. It feeds each other. Now, first of all, then, um, you recall that this was originally one book. Uh, it was called Samuel. Um, but at a later time, it was broken in half here to First and Second Samuel. And most likely, the first time that took place was when the Septuagint t- uh, was written. So they took the Hebrew and translated it into Greek. And Hebrew does not use vowels. Um, they they uh, use it to speak, but not to write. Even today in modern Hebrew, they do not use vowels uh, in their writing, except in certain unique situations. Um, <clears throat> but in Greek, of course, they use vowels. And so when you take the Hebrew writing and put it into Greek, basically the text becomes twice as long. And so this is likely why they then separated Samuel into 1st and 2nd Samuel, as well as Kings into 1st and 2nd Kings. All right, so um, we could take out the verses and we could finish what we know as 1st Samuel and read right into what we know as 2nd Samuel and not miss a beat. And uh, that's why it was originally one. All right, now, let's address briefly who wrote the letter. Now, you may recall from 1 Samuel some of the things that I said then. Uh, Jewish tradition uh, indicates to us in the Talmud that uh, they believe that Samuel wrote Samuel, hence the name. The problem with this is Samuel dies in 1 Samuel chapter 25. So how could he write this, for example? So most likely what, um, what happened is that Samuel wrote parts of it, maybe chapters 1 to 16 of 1 Samuel, for example, from his birth up until the time of David's anointing. Uh, you may remember once we get to those chapters, there is some things are worded a little bit differently. It sounds like maybe somebody else wrote it. Um, let's turn then to 1 Chronicles chapter 29 at the very end. Of 1st Chronicles. Uh, in verse 29, <clears throat> we have these words, 1st Chronicles 29, 29. Now the acts of David, first and last, indeed they are written in the book of Samuel the seer, in the book of Nathan the prophet, and in the book of Gad the seer. Um, <clears throat> now it's possible that the book of Samuel is all of 1st and 2nd Samuel, but it's probably more likely that he's referring to another work that had some of what we now have in 1st Samuel, 
And then Nathan and Gad wrote other parts, or at least one of them did. Okay. Now, let's come back to 1 Samuel and chapter 27 here a moment. There are seven occasions in 1 and 2 Samuel where we have the language to this day. So in 1 Samuel 27 in verse 6, it says, So Achish gave him, right, David, Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. Uh, that sounds like somebody wrote those words after Solomon, right? after the separation of the northern and southern kingdom. So how do we understand these things? Well, uh, let's turn to one other passage. Let's turn to 1 Kings and chapter 4. In 1 Kings chapter 4, we see here at the beginning of the chapter uh, some of the different men who worked with and for Solomon, his administration, his cabinet, you might say. And notice in verse uh, 3, uh, 1 Kings 4, verse 3, Elihareph and Ahijah, the sons of Shisha, scribes, or you could say secretaries there. Uh, Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, the recorder. And then if you look at uh, verse 5, it starts with Azariah, the son of Nathan, over the officers. Then it says, Zabud, the son of Nathan, right, the prophet seems to be, um, but it says a priest and the king's friend. So um, uh, there are some questions on the, all the connections. But the point is, and where many conservative scholars um, end up in their uh, uh, trying to understand this question, is that most likely Samuel wrote a portion, Nathan and or Gad wrote a portion, and somebody else then put it all together. And Zabud may have been the one who did that during the days of Solomon. And so you might say 95, 98, 99% even of what we have was finished by this time during the days of Solomon. But there's one more aspect to this. When you read the books of Samuel and the books of Kings, there are many similarities to those four books, which suggests to us that the same person did a final editing of all four of them. Okay. And so maybe that was Jeremiah or somebody else during the exile or even after the exile. A final compiler, a final editor, uh, even hundreds of years later. And certainly the book of Kings, right, led up to that time. Uh, Samuel obviously was earlier. Um, and so we call this source criticism. You know, where did these come from and so forth? And this has led all kinds of liberals down crazy paths. But there are some helpful things and important questions and so on. Who wrote the book? There was someone who did, or maybe some ones who did. But ultimately, of course, God wrote these words. And so whether it was one or three or ten different authors or compilers and editors and so forth, in the end, this is what God wants us to know. Now let me end with one thought here. You might recall when we went through 1 Samuel that I said I'm very inclined to think that at least portions of this were written by Nathan and Gad because it sure sounds like uh, it was being used as 
motivation and reason to more or less vote for David to be king. And, uh, and so I think uh, most of it was written very early uh, when these events took place. All right, I'll say more about that here in just a moment. Now, the next question that we face here is when. When did these events take place? When we come now to David, uh, there are enough things outside of the scriptures that we can nail down very specifically that we can now point to a much more specific time range here uh, for David. Prior to David, there's more uncertainty. We might have a range of, you know, two, three, five, ten, even 20 years or something like that. Um, But David is, is much more precise. And so he ruled from 1010 B.C., to 970 BC. So to work our way backward here a moment, Saul then would have ruled for his 40 years from 1050 to 1010 BC. Uh, Samuel was born maybe around 1100 BC, maybe 1120. So again, you see, as you go backward, you're a little more uncertain. Uh, Samuel would have judged maybe from 1075 to 1035 BC. And Samson then may have overlapped with Samuel, at least maybe uh, a little bit. So more specifically then with David, he would have been born about 1040 B.C., anointed in 1025, and then starts ruling in 1010. But remember, from 1010 to 1003 B.C., he rules in Hebron. And then from 1003 to 970, he is ruling in Jerusalem. Uh, A couple other things, Solomon would have been born in 991 B.C. and was 21 years old when he started ruling, and David dies and such. The census was, uh, we think, about 10 years before David dies, so about 980 B.C. So just a little bit of uh, chronological context here for these things. All right, now another question then is where did these things take place? Well, unlike 1 Samuel, where there were a variety of places, you have Ramah and such, and of course you have way in the south when David's running around, he's in Philistia, and of course uh, Gilboa and when we end the, uh, the book. But in, uh, in um, 2 Samuel, there are some other places. But primarily, we see events taking place in and around Hebron and in and around Jerusalem. Uh, so it's more... Uh, uniform, if you will, in that way. Which leads us then to the question of what? What do we find here in 2 Samuel? Well, um, basically, we find the next part of the story after 1 Samuel. Um, Pretty straightforward in that way. 1 Samuel, of course, transitioned us from the time of the judges to the time of the kings. And so it starts with Samuel as judge. And then, of course, we see Saul and then David, as well as Jonathan and some others. Uh, But as we come here to 2 Samuel, it's almost exclusively about David. Certainly there are some other characters, Absalom and so on, but 2 Samuel is mostly about David. So 1 Samuel, the second half, chapter 16 to 31, is about David's anointing, his rise to power, at least in some ways, and then, of course, his fleeing from Saul. But now here in 2 Samuel... It's about David as king. And so in these first uh, four chapters into chapter five, we see David as king in Hebron and then being established in Jerusalem. 
And the rest of chapter 5 through chapter 10 is all about David ruling and his glorious rule. Everything is wonderful. But then in chapter 11 through chapter 20, we see David's failures as king and as father. But then 2 Samuel ends, chapters 21 to 24, with a final section. And uh, remember, 1 and 2 Samuel are originally one book. So as we come to the end of what we call 2 Samuel, we're going to see connections with 1 Samuel in the beginning chapters. And so as um, 1 Samuel begins with Hannah and then Hannah's song, so we see uh, 2 Samuel ending with some poems there too. And so it's deliberately arranged in that way. And then for these four, po- uh, four chapters, uh, these are arranged chiastically with two poems right in the middle. And so we will uh, see that, and one of them is quite lengthy, as we will see there in chapter 22 especially. Um, now the high point of 2 Samuel, I think, has to be chapter 7, because that is where we see the covenant that God made with David. There are other very important things that happen, but that's probably to be understood as the high point, the promise of the Messiah coming through David. The transition, of course, is chapter 11. Everything prior to that, even back to 1 Samuel, more or less everything David does is blessed. It's good. Now, we talked about some of David's sins in 1 Samuel, but the primary emphasis is God is blessing him. But once we get to chapter 11 and following, everything changes. And at that point, it's almost like everything David does falls apart. (laughs) Uh, Not quite, but we definitely see an emphasis on his sin. Now, the other thing we need to remember as we are uh, coming to 2 Samuel is that 1 Samuel, chapters 8 through 12, are still dominating our understanding here. And you recall, those are the chapters where Israel demanded a king, and God gave them one. Israel demands a king there, and in the process, rejects God and his plan for governance. God had established things under Joshua in the time of the judges for God to be the king, God to be the sovereign, and then local rule and limited power in terms of the state, if you will, the magistrate system. The church, through the Levites, was central in all of this. This is how God intended it to be. But Israel uh, wanted to be like the nations. They didn't want that anymore. They wanted to have a central despot. And so God gave it to them. He punished them by giving them a king. But that's not all that we see here, because God regularly brings good out of evil. And so the king did establish some order, some stability, some peace. Even Saul did this. And certainly we'll see even more with David and even more yet with Solomon. But um, we also then see how the king points us to Christ. And so God brings good out of this, yes. But it's still to be considered an act of judgment for their rejecting of him. And so, not surprisingly then, we see that even the best kings bring about evil and demonstrate that we really want God as king. 
And so, you know, we, we read about Saul and all those things we saw in 1 Samuel. We're like, yeah, you know, we, we definitely need a better guy than Saul. <laughs> but even David, the same is true. We need someone even better than David. David sinned with Bathsheba, the adultery and the murder. We see him not ruling his house well, which then upsets the whole nation. Uh, we see the census where many Israelites die. And then Solomon, of course, for all the wonderful things that happen with Solomon, and he is a type of Christ in certain ways. Solomon is the one who enhances idolatry, division, and oppression. So when we come to this question of a king, the liberal Christians will say, well, the king is a good thing. They more or less ignore chapters 8 through 12, uh, 1 Samuel. Conservative Christians, though, often say, that the king is not bad. It isn't necessarily a good thing, but it's not a bad thing. But as I tried to say um, when we studied those chapters, and as I've said uh, even before and since, I think the best understanding of the text is that the king is judgment, but God is also preparing us for Christ, our true and best king. And so... um, This now, this understanding, should guide us as we get, first of all, all hyped up about David ruling as king, and then not be surprised when he fails in chapters 11 and following. And so you might say half of first, uh, sorry, second Samuel is about the good things that the king brings and the second part, the bad things that the king brings and points us to God through it all. All right, now, <clears throat> this brings me to this point. First and Second Samuel, in the end, are not about Samuel or Saul or David or Jonathan or the rest. First and Second Samuel ultimately are about God, who he is, and that he is our king. And we see that here in Second Samuel, especially in chapter 7, because of the uh, the promises that God gave to David regarding the Messiah. We see that also in the establishment of Jerusalem as God's city. And we see it at the end of Second Samuel in the preparations for the building of the temple, God's house. And so ultimately, the focus here is God. And it should be ours as well. <clears throat> Now, you might remember I mentioned this uh, in 1 Samuel, that uh, uh, the authors here uh, do a masterful job of communicating this information. Most everyone has said in one way or another that 1 and 2 Samuel are literary masterpieces. And uh, we'll see some of that. We'll see how it's arranged and and some of the particulars as we go along. And so... um, Uh, I'll point that out as we do so. But let me end here uh, tonight with um, this final thought. In chapters 1 to 4 especially, we see many more defenses of David. David did not kill Saul. He was a long way away. But David also did not kill Abner, nor did he kill Ishbosheth. David was not filled with ambition and bloodlust. David is a man after God's own heart. This is the one God had anointed, and he was very different from Saul. Not 
totally different, but very different from Saul. And so um, the, the, the thoughts that I um, communicated from 1 Samuel about defending David continue in this opening section. Okay? And so this, again, is why I think 1 Samuel and at least the first parts of 2 Samuel were written pretty early, likely before he became king in Jerusalem. Because of all this defense, we really want David as our king, all of Israel, not just some. And so, we will begin where we ended. Saul's death in Gilboa and David's victory over the Amalekites in the south, his return to Ziklag, and how he had rescued his families and his possessions and so forth. And so, Lord willing, next time we'll look at the text uh, here more specifically. So let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we thank you again for your word. And we thank you for the final words that we saw of Paul and uh, his letter to Titus. And we thank you, Lord, for the, the blessing that we have to be um, believers, to be a family of believers. We thank you for the love and the, and the uh, wonderful blessings that we enjoy because of this. And so we do pray, Lord, that uh, you would pour out your grace upon us to grow in these ways, to be more and more loving and caring for one another and for fellow believers. We thank you too, Lord, for your words in now what we call Second Samuel. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to, to learn what you want us to know in uh, this book and how it points us to you, how it points us um, to, um, uh, to David in certain ways and the things that we should learn from him, what to do and what not to do. And uh, we pray, Lord, that um, you would <coughs> um, just um, not just fill our minds, but may it impact how we live, especially uh, today in uh, this time and place. And so we pray all these things then in Jesus' name.